What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right, if you could turn to Revelation chapter 1, please. Revelation chapter 1. I would encourage you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, uh, that you do so. Um, He is the most amazing leader ever. And um, I've never met anybody that has surrendered their life completely to Jesus and regretted it. I meet a lot of people who refuse to follow him and regret it inside the church and also outside. And so, Revelation, um, God, we need you. We need you in this place. Uh, 1-3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. This book, it comes with a promise. Blessed are those who hear. Blessed are those who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And so this book is, is boasting of a prophecy for those who take this word seriously. And so there is a rumor out there that says this book is hard to understand. And one of the reasons why I believe that is because the enemy wants to keep us away from the blessing that this book is. God's desire throughout this book is to reveal, not to conceal things, not to keep things hard and hidden for you. And one of the aspects, I want you to uh, look at Revelation um, 119. One of the things that this book also gives is an outline of the entire book. And so the outline in the entire book, because again, this is not a complicated thing. God wants us to understand the whole thing. Uh, It says right there for Revelation 1, 19, the things that you have seen. Well, what has he seen? That's chapter 1. Chapter 1. Those things that are, that's chapters 2 and 3. That's the church. We're in Thyatira today, and we're going through the seven churches, and so these were real legitimate churches, even though it speaks to the church age as a whole. God is speaking to these churches, and they are currently right now in real time. So that's chapters two and three. And then it says in verse 19, those that are to take place after this, and I want you to highlight take place after this. And I want you to go to Revelation 4.1, please. Revelation 4.1 is when the church age closes, we believe, I believe, and another change takes place. So Revelation 4.1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard speaking to me was like a trumpet saying, Come up here. Come up here. That's, that's interesting. Sounds like the rapture, but it might not be. And I will show you what must take place after this. 
So that is the same language back in 119. What must take place after this is the same thing that we see in Revelation 4.1. So there is going to be a change where there's going to be a shift where something happens. So I'm beginning bit by bit to build my pre-trib rapture analogy or belief or doctrine. But again, like we've said before, let it be to you as unto your faith. If you're a mid-tribber or a post-tribber or an amillennial, whatever you are, let it be to you as unto your faith. I'm getting out of here. You can stay if you want. I'm just kidding. Um, I want you to go to Revelation 1, please, verse 12. By the way, the church is not mentioned after Revelation 3, 22. It's not mentioned at all until the end, the last chapter. So the church is absent from chapters 4 on. It's not even mentioned. So again, these little little points here that I'm making, and we're going to go over pre-trib, mid-trib, and all that kind of stuff later, not today. We don't have time today, all right? So Revelation 1, I wanted to always start here because, again, Jesus gives a specific aspect of his character and nature to each church that he deals with. And so we need to look and we need to focus on the resurrected life of Christ. And then he's going to take a certain aspect of his nature and character, and he's going to focus it into the church, one of the seven churches, for a specific reason and a specific person. And again, I want to remind you that wherever you are today, Jesus meets you where you're at and he gives you what you need, maybe not what you want but what you need. Revelation 1, 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. On turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, remember, that's the churches, one like the Son of Man. And I want you to highlight like the Son of Man because that's going to be important when we get into Thyatira because he mentions this here but in a different way. And we'll talk about that. Clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. By the way, that's what the priests would wear in the Old Testament. Jesus is the priest who's after the order of Melchizedek. He is the high priest who offered the perfect sacrifice that put an end to sacrifice through his death on the cross. Hallelujah. And if you've read through uh, the Old Testament lately, hallelujah, there was a lot of rituals there we don't have to do anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 14, the hairs of his head were white like wool, white like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. So I'd like you to highlight that there. His eyes were like a flame of fire and his feet were like burnished bronze. And again, you could put Thyatira because this is the aspect of himself that he's given to this church that we're talking about today. All right. In his right hand, or his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he had seven stars. From his mouth came a two-edged sword. We talked about that last week where the church was a mixed marriage 
when Constantine came in and the state began to rule the church. The only way you can separate out mixture within the church and also mixture with yourself is through the living word of God that is active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it separates soul from spirit. Listen, church, a lot of us are soulish Christians. I've been a soulish Christian, okay? My mind, my will, and my emotions, how I feel, what I think, that's my mind, what I think, how I feel, my emotions, my thoughts affect my emotions. So if I'm wrong, if I'm thinking wrong, guess what my feelings are going to be? Wrong. And then my will. Remember what Jesus said? Not my what? Will, but yours be done. And so there is a lot of believers that continue to do their will, continue to think their thoughts and thoughts from culture, and continue to move with their feelings. Now, we don't want to suppress feelings. We want to bring feelings to the light, but we want to ask, how did they get there, Holy Spirit? And again, Hebrews 4.12, so I'm going over because it's, it's just so important for discipleship, guys. The only way to separate out the spirit from the soul is with the word of God. Without the word of God, you're never going to be able to divide out what's going on inside of you. And the lack of respect for the word of God will keep you on a path where the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads in death. Well, it felt right. Oh, how we need God's word. How we need that two-edged sword to come and divide What are you saying, Holy Spirit? Yeah, my life is not my own. It was bought with a price. Not my will, but yours be done. Oh, God, burn in me and create in me a desire to do your will, not my will. Expose any area where I'm off, God. His face, continuing on in verse 16, was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last. When God shows up, all throughout scripture, people fall down as if they're dead. He is awesome. He is holy. He is righteous. I was talking with David Newcomb this week and he was telling about the South African revival that happened with Andrew Murray. If you don't know who Andrew Murray is, read all his books. He's amazing. He's one of my heroes. He's dead. Read dead people. They're a lot better than the ones alive. Because <laughs> the ones alive got TikTok, InstaSlam, and, and face, Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. And they're just old school folks only had a candle and a KJV. You get some stuff done with that. So he was telling me that revival broke out in the youth ministry, and he's trying to preach, and he's getting, Andrew Murray's getting interrupted, and people are breaking up the conversation while he's trying to 
to, to preach the word, and he's getting frustrated. He goes down there, and he sees all these young people, and they're on the floor, and they're, they're crying uncontrollably. They're weeping. They're repenting of their sins. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit came in, and revival broke out through those. Oh, God was turning the hearts of the children towards the fathers. Because sometimes the kids get it more than we adults do. And that's why Jesus said, hey, the kingdom, you want to see what the kingdom is? Look at the kids. This guy fell as if he was dead when he saw the risen Christ. Jesus is not the baby in the manger. He's not broken man on a cross. He is alive, and this is his description. When you worship him, you should be worshiping him for who he is currently, not for what he was. He is alive. He's in the midst of the lampstands. He laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last, I'm the living one, I died and, I'm, and I am alive forevermore. I'm alive forevermore. To the church in Smyrna that was broken because they were being persecuted, he tells them, I'm alive forevermore, I have the keys of death and Hades. Because they were going through persecution, he was giving them an aspect of his life. Hey, I died too. No complaining. I was crucified, suffered persecution, was broken. In fact, when I was born, they brought me myrrh because not only was I the golden king and the, the, the priest, if you will, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is for kingship. The, 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 the incense is... is, is for the, for the priest, but the myrrh, that's for the burial of a dead body. Bill Rodriguez did a great job explaining that. But Jesus, he also, he came to die, and he was crushed, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and he was telling that church in Smyrna, hey, listen, I have the keys of death in Hades. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. And so he was giving that church what they needed. And by the way, that was the only church that did not have a rebuke. Why? Because persecution purifies. Hardships purify. Listen, some of you came, like Ivory situation, through some hard stuff. Guess what? Begin to thank God for that. Begin to thank God for that. Because your ministry, your, your misery will be your ministry if you allow God to just have his way. Verse 18, chapter 2. Here we go. And by the way, we're not going to finish today with Thyatira. So... I hope you're okay with that. But there's nothing I can do. 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, the words 
of the Son of God. I want you to highlight Son of God, and I want you to go back to chapter 1, verse 13, and what do you see? Son of Man. So it's Son of Man there, and now here it's Son of God. So we need to ask, okay, why the switch up? What's going on with the switch up there? Well, listen, when Jesus came as the Son of Man, he was humble He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. John the Baptist said of him, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he suffered and he served like we do. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. But he came as that lamb that was slain. He came as that one who was going to come and die. But when he comes back again, He's coming as the Son of God. And there's a different Jesus that people will encounter if they don't bow down to him. He's coming back in Revelation 19, 11 on down with fire in his eyes. And his feet are bronze and he is going to tread his enemy as if he's crushing grapes. That's what it says in Revelation 19. And Jesus is coming into this church and he's using the language as the son of God, not the son of man, because he wants them to recognize, hey, guys, listen, I'm not on that cross anymore. By the way, Thyatira, spoiler alert, is the Roman Catholic Church. And what do they usually have? Jesus on the what? That's not who he is. Who he is is in Revelation 1. Who he is is in Revelation 5. Who he is is in Revelation 19. That was then, but now it's not. And he's coming into this church And he's saying, I'm the son of God. I'm the son of God. I'm not this woman Jezebel. I'm the son of God. There needs to be a reverence and an honor when we deal with the risen Christ. He's not a broken man on the cross anymore. He defeated the devil. He defeated the devil. He made a spectacle of him on the cross. He took the enemy's authority. The enemy no longer has authority because Jesus has it all. And and Jesus comes into this church saying, hey, guys, you, you need to realize I'm the son of God. The next thing we say, eyes like a flame of fire. Feet like burnished bronze. Now, this is the longest letter out of all seven letters. And so Nestor uh, was with me, and he was, he was prophesying. I don't know if he knew he was prophesying, but he said, he said Chris, you, you don't need to finish this next Sunday. This is a long letter. You can take two Sundays. So I received that as a prophetic word. Um, that's why we're not going to finish today. But uh, anyway, so thank you, Nestor. Uh, most of the time we are prophesying, we don't know it because if we knew it, we'd become prideful. But anyway, we'll get into prideful prophets next week when we talk about Jezebel. 
I'd covet your prayers this week, by the way, because next week is, um, it's, it's war. So this is the longest letter. We'll go ahead and put up the chart again for us. So what happened was with Pergamos, that we talked about last week, or Pergamum, it can be pronounced both ways, um, Constantine came in and basically the state government took over the church, which was a really, really bad thing. And that's that mixed marriage, right? Then we have the Dark Ages from 600 to 1500, and this is when the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, took charge, and they took over, and they set up popes and that whole system, but understand, they continued to rule governments, and they continued to run things. Um, there were some very, very bad things that were done through the Roman Catholic Church, so let me just say this as we go forward, right? Every church had issues. Every church, including Bow Down, has issues. So we're, my, I am in no way trying to throw shade on the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not trying to demean or talk negative about, but I will be talking about history because there are fa- there's some facts that we need to understand, and how there's an alignment here with what we see in the church of Thyatira, all right? So I, I want you guys to understand, look, listen, Jesus is an equal opportunity offender. He offends everybody, especially those he loves. So we need to be humble And I pray for grace and humility as well, because there is a lot of Roman Catholic uh, brothers and sisters that are in the kingdom, that are born again, that are saved. But church history is church history, and it's listed here. It's the longest one from 600 to past 1500, and it's still going on today, and so we just need to talk about it. So I want you to turn to 1 Timothy 2.5. Here's one of the issues uh, that's prevalent in the church, 1 Timothy 2.5. This, this, is, this is really, really important for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, confession happens a lot of time in the Catholic Church where we go to the priest to get our sins absolved and taken care of. He tells me, hey, hey, say 25 Hail Marys and you'll be good to go. Let me just say this again. There's one mediator between God and men. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the only way to the Father. Jesus said that in John 14, 6. There's no other way. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to go to an elder. You can go straight to Jesus yourself. Also, understand, if you lost your keys somewhere, don't go to St. Anthony. It was funnier in the first service. Go to Jesus. We're not told in the Bible to pray to saints. We're also not told in the Bible to pray to Mary. 
And again, some of you might be coming from a Roman Catholic background. Listen, just, just hang with me. In fact, I don't, let's go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy 4, because all I'm going to do is go through Scripture, and we're going to talk about history. And these are facts that you can look up. Again, we want to honor, we want to honor, we want to bless. Even when we talk about next week, a Jezebel spirit, which, man, we're going to expose that, we're going to talk about it, but we respond always by blessing our enemies. So it's always love. It's always love. First Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Now listen, that's happening right now and in bow down. It can happen in your life. This is why you need the word of God over everything. Because every thought, feeling, emotion, idea, thing from the culture might not be from God. Deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. How does one's conscience get seared? I continue in sin, continue in sin, continue in sin, and it's a searing of my conscience that I don't even have conscience anymore. I encounter these people on the basketball court. They shoot and shoot and shoot, and they can't shoot, but they have no conscience, so they keep shooting, and it's annoying. It's nothing worse than playing with somebody who thinks they can shoot when they can't shoot. And the more you do something... Without any correction, without any, with, without any repentance, without any change, you run the danger of having your conscience steered so it becomes a way of life or a religion, if you will, that you just do and not even think because your conscience is seared. Verse 3, who forbid marriage? Well, what religion forbids marriage for the priests? So, huge scandals, pedophilia, huge cover-ups happening. Why did that happen? Is because the church forbid those priests who do not have the gift of being a eunuch, by the way, to be eunuchs. I've met... Roman Catholics that love their church and they are sickened by the pedophilia that has happened and has come out recently. They're sickened by that. They repent over that, okay? And some people say, well, Chris, they take that from 1 Corinthians 7 where Paul says it's better for you not to be married. Yeah, listen, this is really important. Look at 4.1 again. Look at 4.1. Look at what it says. Or excuse me, 4.3. Who forbid marriage? Who forbid marriage? 
This is the Nicolaitan type of leadership where we're forcing someone to do something. Don't you ever stay in a church that forces you to do something that you don't want to do. Jesus always gives a choice. A choice. 1 Corinthians 7, it says it's better for some of you to remain single if you can handle that. It was a choice for the person, not the church dictating down and forbidding you cannot get married. There's a difference. And again, coercion and force, those are demonic kind of movements. It should be a choice. There's a choice with Jesus. There always has been. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. It's a choice. In the garden, it's a choice. Eat the, well, it wasn't an apple, but eat this or not eat it. It was a choice. Why? Because love doesn't coerce and force. It's the wrong spirit. Uh, Bill Hobbs and I encountered a church that we were partnering with at one time that came into a meeting and said, hey, Urban Youth Impact, you guys need to come under our leadership. Well, you got to pull back from that and ask, okay, wait a minute. Jesus came to what? Serve. Why do they want to be in control? Understand. The enemy, and we'll get more into control and manipulation, by the way, next week with Jezebel, okay? So I'm going to keep it moving right here. So history shows us some of the popes, they called themselves the head of the church. Who's the head of the church according to the Bible? Jesus. Jesus. This period's called the Dark Ages. Do you know why it was the Dark Ages? One of the reasons I believe is because they would not allow people to read the Bible for themselves. Only the priests could read it. Why do I have you turning places today? You're a priest, according to the Bible. We believe in the priesthood of every single believer, and you have the Holy Spirit of God, and you have the Word of God to check and see whether I'm telling it like it is or not. And I want to just tell you, pray for me. Pray for our leadership because we can be under deception. So the dark ages. Well, when people got their Bibles back after the Reformation, by the way, Sardis, we're going to get into that, and Martin Luther, when the people began to read the Bible for themselves, all of a sudden, Sir Isaac Newton is discovering things, and things begin to move, and there's a renaissance because people are understanding their identity from the Word of God, and they're not just getting told what to do from a church. When the Pope sits in the chair, he's supposedly infallible. Infallible? That's very, very dangerous because there was only one person that was infallible, and that is Jesus. That's who we follow. Nobody's perfect. In fact, the Pope showed that he was fallible recently when he said uh, that you're not a Christian if you build walls to keep people out, when he said that to President Trump. But 
he forgot he lived behind a walled city called the Vatican. And again, it doesn't matter if you like Trump or not. It's just when you see hypocrisy, you've got to call it out, okay? And we've got to be careful to get the log out of our own eyes. Amen? I got him. You got him too, baby. We also see the worship of the queen of heaven, which goes back to the Babylonian empire. The queen of heaven, Mary. We also see the Roman Catholic Church torturing people, killing people, taking land. It's called the Inquisition. You can look it up in your own time. And they became the world's largest landowner, which aligns itself with Ahab and Jezebel as they took Naboth's vineyard. We'll talk about that next week. Prophets were killed. They tried to kill Luther, the Catholic Church, because he stood up and he put 95 Thesis on the wall, and basically the premise of the thesis was this, that you're saved by grace through faith. What was going on at the time was you could sin and then give money to the priest and you would get your sins absolved. So it wasn't saved by grace, it was saved by finances that I could pay to get my sins taken care of. Unbelievable that that was happening in the church of Jesus Christ. Martin Luther also put the word of God over the Pope's word. Again, the Reformation began to really, really change things. I want you to turn to Luke 1, please. Jezebel was the first pagan queen of Israel. Her father was a Baal worshiper, and she caused Israel to worship Baal. And in Luke 1.46, it says, Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You want to highlight my Savior. Why? Because Mary needed a Savior. Mary needed a Savior, meaning she sinned. Okay? We've got to be very careful of the worship of anyone except for Jesus. Now, here's where I want us to remember a lot of this stuff that has been done, has been denounced by popes. So there is some some stuff that was cleaned up, all right? So there's been some things that have been denounced by the popes, all right? There's going to be stuff that we bow down, deal with, that we're going to have to renounce and denounce as well. It's in all of us. It's in personal, but also corporate because we're the bride. So we can't look down. We can't judge. We can't condemn. And I don't want anybody to leave here like just going after Roman Catholicism. Don't do that because there's some believers in here. And actually, Jesus says, this is my church. 
there's some believers in that church that are really truly born again. In fact, some of the liberal churches that are Protestant churches, right, that are part of Sardis, if you will, have gone away of rejecting the virgin birth. Catholicism hasn't done that. They've gone the way of the world in redefining marriage. Catholicism hasn't done that. They've gone the way of pro-life and are standing for that. And there's a lot of churches that are pro-death. So not everything is polluted. Verse 18. I want you to, 2.18, who has eyes like a flame of fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. So if you take a note, flame of fire, feet of bronze, the fire always represents the judgment of God coming in, burning up what doesn't belong, burning away the chaff, uh, a purification process. The bronze, the bronze uh, we can get from uh, Exodus 27.2, the altar was bronze where you would burn the sacrifices. And so fire and bronze, fire and bronze, this is a purification that's happening in the church that Jesus is bringing. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.12, 3.12. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will re- be revealed by fire. And fire will test what sort of work one has done. And so everything that you do, everything I do for the Lord will one day be tested by fire. Some of the stuff's not going to make it in. Some of the stuff's not going to make it in. And this is why this is good for us that we move off the Catholic Church right now and say, God, come in here. Come in here and look at me. Look at me. Look at my life. I want you to go down to chapter 2, back to, to, to Revelation 2. I want you to look at verse 20. You know, we sang the song, you are for me, you're not against me. Now, that is true. God is for you, so who or what can be against you? But guess what? Verse 20, what does it say? I have this against you. He's not against you, but he's against some things that might be in you. Does that make sense? So one of the things I did in my personal life was I wrote down blank page because I gave myself room. I knew what was coming. Jesus, bring the fire of your eyes into my life. What do you have against me? personally. I'm still writing, by the way. I got three quarters of a page. 
look, I'm not going to tell you what, what came up. See, I, I, already, I repented a few weeks ago of leaving the first love, and there's been a revival that's happened to me. So you don't get any more of my stuff, okay? It's between me and the Lord. If you want it, you can see it, but this is what I encourage you to do. I encourage you to get out a piece of paper and say, God, what do you have against me? Understand your heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. It's what Jeremiah says. But God has given us by his grace, the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus says, it's, it's to your advantage that I go away. If not, I can't send the helper. And the first thing that the helper does, the Holy Spirit, is convicts the world of sin. John 16, the first thing, it's a conviction of sin. That's why when the Holy Spirit comes in great revivals, there is a weeping, there is a brokenness, and there is a crying. Because the Holy Spirit is holy. But in John 16, Jesus says this of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Oh, man, I'm really, really hopeful for me because, man, I'm prone to justify my ways. I'm prone to compare myself to other people. I'm prone to sit in a message like that and say, oh, I hope so-and-so's here. They need to hear this. And what I encourage you to do is write down and say, okay, Jesus, look at me with the fire in your eyes. Burn away what doesn't belong. Speak to me, God. He wants to come and do that. 1 Peter 4.17, judgment needs to start where? Where first? In the house of God. These seven churches are for us, guys, to purify us so that we, right? Revelation says the bride has made herself ready. So God is making us ready. He is bathing us with the word of God so that we're out without spot or wrinkle or blemish, Ephesians 1.5. But we're also called to make ourselves ready that we join the Holy Spirit and say, God, look at me. Please purify me. When you do that to yourself, I encourage you to get with someone whom you trust that you can share that with and come up with a discipleship plan to overcome that stuff because you're called to overcome in Christ. We need one another, church. We need one another. And also, listen, if you feel like bow downs off in any way, we're not going to kill you. We need you. Come to one of the elders. On the org chart for our church, it says the top is Jesus. Like literally, that's our org chart, right, Bill? We spent a few weeks on that, right? Jesus is on top, then the elders. Please come. If you feel like we're off in any way, we want to be lined up with God's word. We want to be pure. We want to be holy. We want to be right before our God because we can go astray just like everybody else goes astray. So please, 
If there's any admonishment, please come. Our desires to be pure before the Lord. Verse 19. Revelation 2. It says, I know your works, your agape love, your faithfulness, your servant, service, and patient endurance. Thanks for being patient while we did one verse today so far. That your later works exceed the first. Now, two times here the word work is mentioned. The word work or works is mentioned five times in this chapter. Now, Jesus is pointing out the good. So we look at Mother Teresa. Man, amazing work in Calcutta, living in the slums. I just visited a school in New Jersey, St. Benedict's. They're doing amazing work up there. We're learning from them. So there's St. Mary's Hospital, right? So a lot of good things that we still benefit for today. So again... We have to be honest about where things were, but there's also good. Good. And Jesus is affirming that good. And, and look, look what it says, that your later works exceed the first. So you've been getting better. Now, here's the deal. I want you to turn to Romans 12. This is where we're going to end because I'm out of time. And there's no kids' church, though. So it's like 11 o'clock service. You're in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. We will have children's church after this last point, okay? Romans 12, 3. It says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. You might want to highlight there, those who struggle with pride. So it's highlighted in my Bible. Faith is a measure assigned to you. We've, we've witnessed this with COVID. Some people have walked with a certain measure of faith in COVID, and some people have walked not with a certain measure of faith in COVID. Instead of looking down or making fun of, we affirm and we bless because if I have a certain gift, that's given to me. I tell you guys that for me and trusting that God's going to provide, I have a certain measure of faith for that. But for healing, I feel like I'm like one for 20 sometimes. So my measure of faith for expecting healing, yeah, people get worse. If you come to me for healing, you're probably going to get worse. But anyway, um, we all have different measures of faith in different areas that we walk in. So be humble with that, not arrogant or prideful. For verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I want you to turn to your neighbor and said, I am your member. That was a little weird. Uh, say this, you belong to me. 
Yeah, you belong to me. You belong to me. We belong together. There is one body, guys, one body, and you belong. We all belong. Now, listen, verse 6, everybody has a different gift, right? So there's no, like, when Delita was up here last week dancing, I realized that uh, I didn't have that gift, Delita. I can't do what you do, Delita. And uh, some of you I've seen at weddings, you need to go see Delita before you get back out there again. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't let the... Anyway. Uh, so each, each gifts differ from the grace given to us. So gifts are given. Gifts are given. Gifts are not earned. So use them if prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, somebody falls down in the middle of the service the first thing I'm going to do probably is call the ambulance. Other people, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then we get the real, you know, anyway, I won't go into that. So everybody has a different gift and they're going to respond differently depending on how the gift that God has given you. There should be no gift envy in the church, but we should use our gifts. And Will, if you could put up the QR code. This is the last point, by the way, so get out your phones, please, and I want you to put your phones up to the screen on the camera, and when it's up there, what's going to happen, it'll say bowdownchurch.com. I'd like you to click that, and it'll take you to a website that you need to be on. So really, unless you don't go to this church, if you're not a member of this church, you don't have to do this, but if you're a member, if Bow Down is your church, we want you to go here. The reason why we want you to go here is because we have some people that are serving four weeks in a row in children's church. They're serving every single week, and I, I want to thank those people. I'm grateful for those people, but then there's some people that don't serve. Now, again, remember what I said. This isn't, I'm not forcing you. Well, kind of I am. Please just go here. But this is where the Holy Spirit should come in. All right, if I belong to this church, you see, this verse in 20, it says, your later works, your later works are better than your earlier works. At bow down, our later works have been worse than our earlier works. What do you mean, Chris? Here, here's what I mean. At one time, 80% of our church served somewhere. We've gotten worse, especially since COVID, because COVID was real nice. I could just flip on the thing. I can watch church. I got a word for you. COVID's over. <laughs> it's time to get back to work because people are doing way too much they're getting burned out. Right now, we don't have kids' church at this service. It's only at the nine. Why is that? 
Well, because we have some members that aren't acting like members. A part of the body that doesn't serve anything, but serves itself, it's called cancer. You're part of the body, and there's things that you need to do so that the body can function properly. Antoine, go ahead and raise your hand, Antoine. Antoine needs people to come around him at T-Hop. He needs a working team that can clean up, that can go shopping, that can, that can help him, that can put up drywall, that can do all kinds of stuff, sweep, whatever. Go serve him. And by the way, look down on your list. I think it's the fifth one down. It's T-Hop right there. If you have a truck, God gave that to you. Check that box. Go see Antoine. Just kidding. I'm just not, I'm not forcing you, but... He needs help. Notice the last one's teaching, right? So I need help. That should have been first after today's message. Anyway, so children's church is number one. That's our biggest need. We should have children's church functioning in the 11 o'clock service. We don't right now because people are not serving. Not serving. So pray about it. If that's you, please do. Youth ministry, hospitality, Twin Lakes Outreach. Okay? Listen, there's, there's children in there that want mentors. You know why they don't have mentors? The church isn't saying, here I am, send me, I'll go. Maybe that's not what you're called to do because you got a truck and you need to go see Antoine. <laughs> Security, maintenance, sound. Will, do you need help back there? Yeah, he needs help. We need a team. You got to do is press a button, and it's a different slide. Oh, jeez. So I would like you to, to, again, we're not forcing you, but we're guilting you. Give a guilt offering to the, I'm just kidding. Please, guys, please, church. We, what is, what is Christ going to say? I know your works. I know your works. There's an aspect if I truly am following Jesus and I love his bride, I want her to look beautiful, not tore down to the floor down. Not stressed out, not overburdened, not this, I, I want her to be beautiful, and let me bring my gift for the beauty of the church. The heart should be love, not force, not coercion. And I'll just leave it at that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that you gave us examples when you were moving the tabernacle. Everybody had a job. Nehemiah built the wall. Everybody had a job. What are you calling your church to? What are the works you're calling her to? I pray, God, that you would just raise up people that can serve so that your name would be exalted, Jesus, and glorified. Father, we pray for those in the Roman Catholic Church that are following you, Jesus, 
We pray that you would just strengthen them by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, for ourselves that you would turn your eyes towards us and you would bring conviction of any areas that need conviction. We want to be pure for you. We want to be holy. This is, our, this is a sacrifice of praise. Walk blameless before you, God. Purify our church. Bow down. This is your church, Jesus. You are the head of the church. And may we look like you want us to look. Not what the world wants. What do you want, Jesus? In all of our leadership, we just humble ourselves before you and ask that you would just speak and have your way. As we stand and we worship you, Jesus, may you get more and more of our hearts, more of our adoration. And we fall completely in love with you as we sing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.